So we're in the series, Blessed Life, and uh, this is week three, and I wanted to just kind of, like I said, kind of skip a week here uh, of the simulcast and and just put our heart on some of the things that we've heard, sort of do an update. Um, You know, we've heard two weeks, and then I want to jump in and kind of add to those uh, so that we sort of keep our flavor on it here. And so uh, Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway has been doing simulcast video, and it's been great. And um, the interesting thing that I've shared the last couple weeks is in church data or in church trends, um, you, you see all of these articles and this data come out about, oh, be careful talking about money in church because it makes people nervous and, and uh, people will leave your church and, and, and you, know, you talk about money. And here's the deal. Uh, I understand all that. I understand that on one side of the ditch uh, in churches, money has been abused and, and you've seen it used for the wrong reasons and you've even seen it abused, uh, especially even on some more notable uh, maybe TV stations or personalities that you've seen or evangelists that you maybe once admired, all of a sudden you find out they've, they've been corrupt with all this money and all this kind of stuff. And so one side is that, but then the other side for me as a pastor Uh, I believe in the biblical principles of stewarding our money and that God is interested in your money because he wants to bless you and take care of you. Uh, Amen. And so if I say, well, we better not talk about it because people have a bad taste of this. And so we shouldn't talk about over here because they're uncomfortable. What I'm actually doing as a pastor is really ripping you off. I mean, I'm not, I really don't care about you at that point. If I'm more worried about you being uncomfortable than me making sure you have full understanding of what God says about the money, or money or resources, or however you want to say, then I'm not doing my job as a pastor or a leader. Amen? And so we, and they tell us, oh, you get in this series, people are going to get uncomfortable. Some people are going to leave. And, and they say, you know, we see this, you know, kind of percentage of people leave when you talk about money. I'm okay with that. And the reason I'm okay with that is because I'm not going to let those people that are uncomfortable about it rip all of you off from hearing the biblical principles, right? And so, so that's our take on it, is uh, I'm 100% comfortable up here <laughs> talking about money, and I hope you're comfortable. Um, sometimes when we get into it, I can tell you're not comfortable, <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, but honestly, as your pastor, at the, I can tell you this, schedule an appointment with me. Nobody, nobody in this room, and I could argue with you for days, has the stories that I do about tithing principles, both good and bad in their life. I could go all day with you. I've, I've left and lost ministry positions over the subject of tithing and how we should do it. So nobody can hold a candle to, to my life experience when it comes to tithing. And if you want to take me up on it, we got a cafe here and we're open nine to five during the week and we'll get coffee and we'll fight. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I just wanted to say that to be real, uh, I'm telling you as a person, as a pastor, um, that I get it. I get all sides of the coin. But at the end of the day, and I hope at the end of the sermon, you realize and you understand uh, that God cares about your resources and your money and stewardship. Because as you see in a minute, the scripture says it's how God makes you ruler of more is when we're obedient with our money and our resources. Amen. So that's kind of my deal there. And here's what I know is the enemy, he's really great at this. Hey, if this thing holds a lot of strength in the kingdom of God, if this thing holds a lot of power and principle, the enemy goes after that thing right away. So if he can shut down money and how we handle money in scripture, if he can get us distorted on that, he wins. Why? Because he knows it's loaded. That's a big gun for us in the kingdom of God. If we can understand it, he knows we can do a lot of damage. Amen. So generosity is a big deal. Um, It's been fun in this series as we're in the third week because it brings out the best in your church people. Uh, We've been talking about money for three weeks. And so I get emails and I get stories. And the fun part has been... um, We've heard great stories already. We heard somebody say, hey, you know, the, we, we heard how God says you test us. 
God said, test me in money, T- test me in your resources. And so someone said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to test you. And they got one of the biggest tips they've ever gotten as a server uh, came like in the week that they said, you know, what? I'm going to trust God in this and I'm going to see what it, and, uh, and then we had other people that they said, Hey, we feel led to, to make a donation of a vehicle and we want to help another person over here who needs. And yesterday I was talking to somebody who, uh, they said, it's unbelievable. It's really crazy. Uh, I've entered into this new job position, uh, a little while ago. And, uh, and I'm third shift, and there's no reason anytime soon that I'm up to be able to get on first shift. And uh, randomly this week, as this person said, you know what, I'm really going to just sink into these principles, and I'm going to trust God, and I know that he's got blessing for me when I'm obedient. Sure enough, this week, someone comes to him and says, hey, I know it's a ways away or whatever, but what would you think about first shift? And uh, you could be a skeptic and say, well, oh, that's chance or that's whatever. And if you want to live, I'm sad for you because that's a really negative way to live. Uh, I choose to believe in the positive and that we do have somebody who is caring and looking out for us, especially when we're obedient to scripture. Amen. And, uh, and so just, it's really cool to see what comes in these series and what comes out and what God is doing. I also uh, got a phone call uh, this week. Hey, someone calls and uh, I said, Hey, how's it going? I said, Hey, pastor. I want to talk to you about this series. And I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, like this is one of the statistics. And uh, you know what? I am not a tither and I will never be a tither. And at, this is the point where I usually am like trying to find my dog, you know, my golden retriever. Like, hey, Roy, you got a phone call. Here, take this guy. <laughs> like, Just go do something with it. <laughs> you know, this person's gonna, you know. And then I said, okay, I'm trying to find my dog, you know, because he handles this stuff better than me. You know, I just let him deal with it. He puts the phone under the couch or something. So what's going on? What do you, what's the deal? And then, so right before I find my dog, he says, I'll never, you know why? Because I believe in more than tithing. I'm listening again. Okay, I'm listening again. (laughs) (laughs) You got me back in that. And it was just such a great conversation. I really exaggerated how that phone call went. He's a great friend of ours and always speaks life into us and stuff. And and just was really sharing, you know, the, the truth is in tithing. And because actually, this is one of my points today. The last couple of weeks, we've heard how Jesus affirms tithing. A lot of people say tithing is Old Testament and giving of the 10%. That's Old Testament. A lot of people say, you know, New Testament, Jesus came and affirmed. Now, I do believe that Jesus came and affirmed tithing, giving 10%. But I also think that Jesus came and did away with tithing in the New Testament. Everybody's like, now that doesn't make any sense. Here's why. Because if our heart and our mindset when it comes to our resources is, hey, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make sure I only do my 10%, then you've just become the law again and your heart has been taken out of it. And so that's what the phone call was. And amen. Thank you for that, uh, Eli. You guys got to be a little more like this guy, six months old, seven months old. He's like, preach. I like that one. You want some of my puffs? Mama's been trying to give me prunes. You want some of those? I'll share. <laughs> uh, so, so here's the deal with that. I, I want you to hear that, that part because I, I said it uh, quickly. But I love the heart behind the idea. Very quickly, you can take your heart out of giving. Scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And, and all of a sudden, if you make tithing, like, well, oh, just got to get that 10% taken care of. And then I'm, God's going to honor your tithe. He's going to honor you being obedient with your tithe. But the purpose of giving and generosity is not that you just uphold your to-do list. Here's the example uh, that we talked about on the phone. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to eternal life? And they have this whole conversation of all the rules that he kept. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done all of these things that you told me to keep and keep in place. I've done all of these things. 
And then Jesus' response to him is, is actually go, go and sell everything. Go and sell everything. Why? Because the heart of that per- person was, I just only want to do it to keep the rule and to keep things in there. My heart is not in being a person who gives all, who's all in. And the, and the purpose of generosity is, is not that you give away all your money. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is your heart, is that my heart is that generosity and giving and meeting the needs of people is my priority. Amen. It's not my obligation. It's not the law that I try to keep. It's a number one in my life. It's my priority that I do all that I can. So go, go sell everything until your heart is in a place that, that giving and, and, and you have a heart that's clean, a heart that's pure towards reaching people. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm just kind of beating the, but so, hey, go, go live in a way that you're totally, this is the word I was looking for. He wanted the rich young ruler to get to a place that he was a hundred percent surrendered to following God, to being a follower of Jesus, listening to the voice of God, being someone who's spirit led and not just, oh, I got to uphold this. So I believe in tithing, but I also believe that we don't stop there. Do you know that this church doesn't tithe? We don't tithe. We give 10%, which is a tithe, all back into church planning. We give it all right back into church planning, and then we give above that. Because I don't believe we just stop in our budget seat at 10%. Oh, here comes a need. Here comes a need. Well, you know, we already filled up the tithe. We're kind of strapped. I think there's probably churches out there that do that. We give above the tithe. We tithe and we give above that. Why? Because we're spirit-led. We listen to the voice of God about how we should live with our resources. Why? Because we know we can't outgive God. We're not going to bankrupt ourselves when we're meeting the needs of people in our community. Okay, you guys okay? <laughs> and so now you're sitting here like, oh my gosh, I'm about to get a sermon that says I have to give more than 10 now. <laughs> no, I want you to give in your heart. What is, I want God to be priority. I want following God and being a hearer and a listener. I want you to do what we saw in scripture. I want you to be someone who tithes and makes goals, but I want you to be somebody who's spirit led and listens to God and makes honoring God with your resources priority. Amen? Okay. So that was the one thing we looked at there is, uh, and listen, here's an example, um, and I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal, but planting this church, I remember, uh, so for us to leave the church we were at, we were tithing, we were tithing, we were doing great, and, and, uh, and we were leaving that church and we were coming to plant this church. And I remember the day, the driveway, the weather, I helped load the truck, I remember everything about it, where we literally, we sold all of our stuff. Well, I watched the trucks drive down the long driveway and get out, there goes all my stuff. Our beds, our couches, our everything. It's like, oh, see you later, Craigslist. You know, like that's all I had left to do was go back in and delete my Craigslist. Stuff that Jess loved, these antiques she found, stuff her heart was in, stuff she redid and painted uh, above the top. She sold all. Why? Because when you're a follower of God, you listen to the promptings. And if it means you sell all, you sell all. Somebody say amen. So I don't want us to be a people who just go, oh, I got to just do the 10 and keep it here. We got to be people who are, who are led. Amen. And this is the fruit of obedience in following God's voice in our life. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so that was that. And here's where we kind of start to prove God is interested in your resources. He's interested in what you do with your money and there's, there's value in it. Here's why we, we heard it in the series and we saw some of it here in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. There's these three guys. He gives one five, the other two, and the other one is one. And he says this about their life in Matthew 25, 21. Uh, the one that was increased and was a good steward of his resources. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. 
The way that God promotes you and makes you ruler over more is when we're faithful in little. God's eye is on what you do with your resources. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He's interested. Why? Because it's how he makes you ruler over more. God is interested. His eye is on it. The Bible says we are to be good stewards of our money. This is a really important but simple truth. It's important for you to know where your money goes. You're called to be a resource. You're called to, uh, to be a good steward of it. It's important for you to be able to give an account of what's happening with your money. You say, well, I have a budget. Well, what's the budget? Well, we got this much money on our paycheck and we can't go broke by the end of the month. Uh, well, where's your money going in the meantime? I have no idea where it's going. Sit down and take a look at like where you're spending on what and take a look. Somebody, I can't afford to tithe. I bet if you really looked at where your money actually, if you can't give an account for where your money is spent, out to eat food. How much did you spend on out to eat food? I don't really know. That's not good. <laughs> you need to be able to give an account. And this is just practical resource stuff. You want God to give you more, make a ruler over more. You have to be able to give an account for what you're doing with what he has given you. Amen. Yeah. I love these thoughts. It says this, it says where your treasure is, there's your heart, which we've heard that. I love this thought. It says, show me your checkbook and I'll show you your heart. We give to what we love, right? I'm a sucker for it with my kids. Uh, we go to the grocery store, and there's toy aisle, and there's bigger toy aisles nowadays. Uh, but where does my money go to? Because I love her, I care about her, and so I give into things. We got princesses and outfits and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because I love her. Because I care about her. You give to what you love, and so real extravagantly as as, as Christians, we say, God, I love you, and I'm on fire for you, and as a, you give to what you love. The kingdom of God and the kingdom values and the things that God's doing in your community, if you love it, if your heart is there, you give to it. Amen? Yeah. I say, I love you, Pastor Josh. <laughs> Some of you are like, can you find the video? Put the guy back on. I said, Doug. <laughs> Listen, you invest in what you love. You invest in what you love. What you love is on display based on how you spend your resources or your money. Now, we can make that about money, but we can also make that about time. You invest your time in what you love. Oh, I love it. I care about it. Is your time invested in it? And when I'm talking about time, I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about, are you, are you thoughtful? Are you thinking of other people that you do community with? Are you investing? Are you being a good steward of your time as far as people that you live and exist with? Amen? The bride of Christ. This point uh, a few weeks ago just blew my mind when he said, you know, that uh, God, the church is the bride of Christ. Tithing is really personal to God because the church is his bride. And so when we mismanage and we don't take care of the, bri the bride of Christ, I bet that's really personal to God. And I thought about it like this, our neighbors left, and, and this might just work in my head, I hope it works in yours, but I've kind of gone over it to myself a few times, and a couple times I've said it to myself, and I was like, that makes sense. The other time I said it, I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And so I'm just taking a risk. Maybe half the room would be like, yeah, I get it. And the other half would be like, no, yeah, that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but here's the deal. I thought about this. Uh, our neighbors, they just left for uh, Japan yesterday and they're gone for a month. And so they came over into the yard and they said, hey, we're leaving and, um, and, uh, and we'll be gone for 30 days. And so right away, I'm thinking of being a good steward of my neighbor. And uh, I said, okay, cool. Uh, so 30 days, uh, if there's uh, demonic forces and stuff, that probably means we're gonna have snow in 30 days. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, uh, so I'm starting to think, okay, snow is coming. What are they doing for snow? Uh, did they stop their mail? Uh, okay. This time of the year, they're probably not mowing anymore. So I don't have to mow this. So I'm going through all these things because I care about my neighbor. 
because, okay, they've gone away. And this is a little bit of the point of what Robert was making. They've gone away. And so we're here to caretake of what is here, the bride of Christ. So they're gone away. And so just as like a good neighbor in my mind, I was like, they're going away. What can I do to make sure they're taken care of while they're away? I'll put it to you like this. This is how I thought of it. If your neighbor came to you and said, hey, husband and wife, like, hey, I'm going away on work. My wife, I'm going away for 30 days or whatever. My wife is going to be here. Um, and so the bride is being left behind. Wouldn't you as a man or as a gentleman do some things to make sure she's taken care of as your neighbor? Well, because she's home by herself and she's a woman and you should be a good gentleman. And so same thing in our kingdom. God, this says, I've gone away. It's not that he can't take care of, but as the bride of Christ, shouldn't we make sure what he loves is taken care of here? Amen. So here's the deal. It's not because he needs your money. It's not because God needs your money. It's what we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Psalm 24, one says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God is in control. He doesn't need our money to be able to move. He doesn't need our money to be able to advance the king. He could do it, but he chooses to use you. That's an honor. Somebody say amen. That's an honor. I thought about it like this. God doesn't need your money, but you need him in your money. We need God in our money. If money is one of the most important things, everything spins around, cars, houses, education, all of these big pillars in our life have to do with money. How important is it to make sure God's principles are active in our money? Amen? It would be really ignorant for us to be like, no, I got this one on my own. You can do that over there, God, but I got, no, God needs to be a huge part of our money. Amen? Bill Gates, uh, we did some research on him about 10 years ago when I was a youth pastor. I don't know if he's the richest or on pace to be richest or whatever, uh, but I know this was like when Microsoft was in its heyday. And um, here's the deal about Bill Gates. At the time, this is about 10 years ago, he was on track to become one of the world's first trillionaires. And in comparison, this is how much money he has. If you had $225,000 in your pocket and you lost 47 cents in the couch, Bill Gates would have to lose 2.1 million in the couch. If you had 225, just his wealth. If you had $225,000 and you made a car payment of $239 a month, Bill would have to make a car payment of $1.6 billion. But Bill Gates is limited to what he can do with his money. But God in your life, on your money, can do much more than these numbers. Amen? God in your life, when you say the guy who parted the Red Sea, the creator of all things, when he gets involved in your resources through your obedience, imagine what can be done. Amen? couple of things that I hear all the time from people. Well, you know, the church talks about money and you know, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. Not exactly. <laughs> Not exactly. For the love of money, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Now I love this part. We say the first part real good, but the second part, for which some have strayed away from faith in greediness. They strayed away from faith, meaning what we talked about earlier. They stopped making God priority in their resources. They stopped exercising their faith in God for their resources and put it in money. That makes sense to anybody? <laughs> what they did, I'm not having faith for my resources. I'm not trusting God with my money. I'm not using my faith for God with my money. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna trust myself. And if I can just get more money and then it became love of money instead of faith in God and their resources. And here's how it happens. I shared this example uh, with our youth group when I was talking to them about it too. You remember the, the, the game that you see where like somebody ties a string to a dollar bill and they're hiding in a park or whatever and someone walks by and they try to get it and they pull it. 
and uh, they did some hidden camera stuff where they glue the quarter to the bottom of the thing. And if you watch those videos or you've ever seen that done, what happens is that person starts chasing that money everywhere and they're crashing into other people and they're falling over and because they're just, they love that money. They're chasing it. And that's the same thing we do when we become people who chase money. You make a mess of your surroundings in your life because all you think about I got to get the next house, the next neighborhood, the right thing, the right thing. And we just chase and pursue money and you get yourself in trouble. Amen. Are you guys okay? Yeah. So quiet. I'm kind of like, let's put the video on. <laughs> Everybody's comfortable. So here's the deal. Money, it's like a tool. It depends on how you use it. Chainsaws are effective for cutting down trees. They're not so good to give to your kid to cut up his Pop-Tart, right? Money's the same way. It used... Everybody's got a terrible image on that one. <laughs> uh, that's the one thing you're going to remember all day. I'm serious. That's like what you guys do to me. I make a terrible thing and then like for a week, everybody's coming there. Remember when you said that thing about the chainsaw? You remember when I said about the thing about all the thing that I prayed about and saw God about? You don't remember that thing? <laughs> Sorry, I was just being real there. Uh, <laughs> I work for hours and hours on a sermon and time with God and praying and you're going to remember the chainsaw. So I'm just kidding. But that's the deal. Money is a tool. If you use it properly in the kingdom of God and the way God has called it to, it's incredible. It's the best. And, uh, and so that's just what we have to do with money. Because here's the problem. When you chase money, when you chase things like that, what you do is you get so consumed with your hands being full of what you think is best for your life that you aren't able to lay hold of what is actually best for your life, what God has for you. Amen. Matthew 6, it says that seek first the kingdom of God and everything else shall be added unto you. When you make first seeking God and not money, then everything else gets added to you. But in our own equation, when we try to figure out money on our own terms and our own skills, that's when we miss everything else being added unto us. Amen? Yeah. I love this thought. How you behave is what you actually believe. How you behave is what you actually believe. I think it's really easy when it comes to money. Yeah, I believe in being generous. I believe in taking care of the kingdom of God and making sure, I, I believe in that. But how you behave in those is what you actually believe. Proof is in the pursuit, amen? Yeah. I hear this all the time. God is against us. Oh, you know, you shouldn't even talk about the blessed life and prosperity and prosperity churches. And God is against people having money. And that's not true at all. Psalm 35 says, let the Lord be exalted for he delights in the prosperity of his people. When you do it God's way, there's nothing more that could bless him than seeing you, if you'll let me use this phrase, take advantage of the principles that he's given us. When we take advantage of the principles that he's laid, nothing would bless him more than to see you prosper in the ways that he created you to prosper. Amen. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It didn't say it's he who gives you the ability to get by. He wants you to be able to produce wealth and be taken care of in your life. Amen. Heaven is full of excellence and beautiful things and extravagance. You see in Revelation 21, it says that cities are made out of pure gold. It says that the 12 gates are made out of pearls. Philippians 4.19 says that God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Well, if his riches is pearl and gold and all of these things, and he's supplying your needs here on earth based on that, then you should be able to have nice things. Amen? Yeah. I get the bad taste in your mouth about, uh, I don't know, gold and pearls and extravagant. We've all seen it done wrong. But God wants you taken care of. He's into you being taken care of. Check this out about the temple. 
We know in 2 Chronicles 3 that God instructed Solomon to build a temple. Solomon used 46,000 pounds of gold. So building this temple, he said, instructed by God, hey, build it this way, very specifically. 46,000 pounds of gold. If it were today, it would have been worth to build that today the way that they build it. That temple would cost about $500 billion. It would be huge. We'd make Mexico pay for it. Billion, $500 billion. The temple that is instructed would be $500 billion. God, God is okay with you having nice things. Well, I don't know. Jesus walked around and he was poor and he didn't have any. It's not what the Bible says about. Anyway, that's a whole loaded story. But God is into you being taken care of. Jesus was doing ministry. And, and did you ever hear in the stories where they were walking along and, well, Jesus couldn't go do what he was going to do because they had no, and check this out. Well, there's the one time where they ran out of food. They literally didn't even have food for the multitude. Yeah. And then Jesus taps into kingdom principles and says, I'm going to take what's here and I'm going to multiply it because we serve a God of multiplication. And then what happened at the end? There was abundance. There wasn't just enough to get by. They didn't just, there was abundance. Why? Because of that obedience, your generosity should take care of more than just your need. Amen? Okay. And so, so I got into it. <laughs> but God, even the way he just made this earth, and I'll close with this. Um, even the way God, I, I, I look at sunsets. Uh, or or if you went, if you were crazy and waited in the five miles of parking to go see the lake. But just the lake and, and, its, and its beauty and the way that things work. And the, God is okay with you having things that are nice and taking care and the beauty of a sunset and the way God put the land together and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know if God's into excellence and us. He is. When we resource, when we are good stewards of everything, God can bless you in a way that you're taken care of. Amen? But, but it's, it goes back to what we talked about early is priority in your heart to be obedient to God with your resources and make sure we meet the needs of others. What they said in the video, the number one thing we teach our kids is what? Share, share. And so we gotta know, hey, you know what? It's good for my heart to learn how to take care of others. Amen? Third John 2, 1. It says, I pray for you that you may prosper in all things and be healthy as what? As your soul prospers. As we grow in obedience and the things of God, God wants to prosper you. But it goes hand in hand with our heart and obedience and following and listening to God. Amen? That's why the scripture says this. Acts 20, verse 35. It says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. It's hard work to be diligent and to stay on it. And to, it's hard work. They understand, we understand that. It's hard work to be diligent but we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You're more blessed by that, to be a person who gives than it is to receive. I'm gonna have a friend of mine come up here quick. Taylor, won't you come up here? Uh, everybody clap your hands for Taylor. She's the best. This is Taylor. She's my neighbor. How old are you? 12. And so, um, do your parents get you a cell phone yet? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, good job, guys. I always, like, try to, that's like a joke. They're always like, no. I'm like, parents. And then parents are like, I hate you, Pastor Josh. And then the kids think I'm cool. But you already have cool parents. 
So, uh, so she's our neighbor and she's the best. And yesterday we were at the Dirty Duel race and, um, and I was just around all these runners and they're just awful people because they like to run. <laughs> There's something wrong with them. And so I was, and so I was there and um, she comes over to the car and she's like, hey, Pastor Josh, guess what? I'm like, what? what? What's up? And she goes, guess what? We started in youth group. And I was like, I don't know. What do you mean? What did you start in youth group? And she's like, uh, yeah, I had this idea. And so I went back to my youth group. And guess what we're doing? I said, I don't know. We're doing one for one at our youth group. Awesome. I was like, wait, what? A 12-year-old was like, hey, I'm so inspired by acts of generosity that I'm going to take that back to my generation. Yeah, right? Do you know why it's important for us to steward our resources and be generous people? Because if we don't teach generosity to a generation, we'll lead them in greed. It's your choice. It's one of two. You're either modeling generosity and obedience to God and your resources, or you're what we even saw weeks ago, or last week, we're modeling robbing God in greed. Let's be a church and a people who lead the way in the next generation of, hey, here's a fun way that we can be generous and we can lead the way in our generosity because guess what? They're watching. I never came and said, hey, you know, you got this youth group. What are you doing in there? You should do this. She runs over to the van, so excited. Was it the first or second thing you told me? I think we talked the first. The first, yeah. And then we made fun of horses after that because she does equestrian riding. Are you equestrian? Are you, are you? Okay, yeah. So anyway, she's in 4-H and rides horses. And I said, the only way I would run in this race is if I did it on a horse. And that says a lot because I hate horses. Um, so like running and horses, that's right there. So anyway, give it up for her one more time. Isn't Taylor the best, you guys? Go ahead. You can sit down. You did good. Here's the deal, you guys. Wars have never been started over generosity. Boy, that country over there, they are just taking care of us too much. Everybody's political mind is going, well, actually, <laughs> stop. Divorces don't happen because they're sitting in a counseling chair. They just give too much. They listen too much. They're just there for me too much. They're too kind. If we in our hearts can understand this idea of generosity, and uh, one thing I disagree with that we heard in the previous week, they said, uh, you don't give to get. He said, yeah, you don't give to get. I understand what he's saying and I 100% agree but I actually do give to get. Because when I give, I get to see lives changed. When I give sacrificially and it costs me something, I get to see communities like this grow. I get to walk through Woodbridge Elementary and see our church meet the needs of hurting kids. Does it cost us something? Yeah, there's lots of things we'd like to do uh, around here. That oh, if we just did that for the church, for ourselves, we could do this better and we could do this better. But it's not about ourselves. It's about the schools. It's about our communities. It's about others. Amen? I get something when I give. I get to watch God move miraculously in our community when I trust him and not my money. Amen? Yeah. Won't you stand to your feet? I know I went a little bit into overtime, but you guys took two weeks of preaching away from me last week. Last, so it's like really not even even yet, but, <laughs> and we're still breaking in these chairs. They need hours of seating. So um, 
I just want to pray for you before we leave, but I want to encourage you on a couple things. If you didn't get that book yet, grab it on your way out, totally free to you. Um, and don't miss the next couple weeks. We're really moving away from the topic of tithe, tithe, into the blessing of what it does do, what I just talked about, what we get to see happen when God. And, uh, and so don't miss the next couple weeks. Um, we'll go back to the simulcast, Pastor Robert Morris, and um, the books will be available all month. So anybody you know that you're like, man, they need to hear this or they need to be here for this, those are free to you all month. We'll have plenty of them out there. You won't miss them. And uh, so don't miss the next couple weeks. If you've missed the past few, please catch up on SoundCloud so you're in the loop. Uh, but again, I just want to say this. As a church, you guys are the best. You're doing this. You're leading the way in generosity, the one-for-one one jar. Anytime we get up here and talk about a need that we have, um, you blow it away. Last year, every year we do a legacy offering. And so it's an above the tithe special campaign offering. Uh, last year, you blew past it. Uh, our goal every time, um, you guys are doing an incredible job. And I know that's why we're seeing great fruit here in our community. Amen. So thank you. I did want to just really say that. So let me pray for you and then um, we'll jump out. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for what you're doing here. We're thankful for your word that empowers us to live the way that you called us to do and to live. God, I thank you um, that we are a people who are going to lead in generosity, not show the way in greed. God, I thank you that in our hearts, you're encouraging us to keep our eyes on you and to listen to your voice and your promptings and your leadings when it comes to uh, what we should do with our resources. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.